And all right, turn to somebody right now. Tell them it's good to see you. All right. All right, good. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And it was a wonderful, wonderful beast feast yesterday. A lot of other things coming up in the days ahead, so get your calendar and mark it down plainly. We've got uh, coming up uh, this next weekend, time change, then spring comes in. On the 19th, a couple things are going to happen to us. On the 19th of March, uh, we are going to have as guests in our morning service uh, Ken and Tricia Sturtz, who have for years represented the Baptist Couriers for Christ out of Wildwood Baptist Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I like saying that, Oshkosh. And... Um, They've been faithfully serving since the days when they used to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union. Amen. And as one who has smuggled Bibles myself, I can applaud and say amen. Praise God for that. They don't have to smuggle them anymore. They take them into Eastern Europe and Asia and other places and have great campaigns. You'll want to hear their report, meet them, and then Brother Tyler's working on this. You speak to him and let him know if you'd like to be one of those that will go along to a place that will be selected for us to go and gather, have enough gathering room, and, uh, and each of us will buy our own meal, Dutch treat, but we'll fellowship with the missionaries. See, frequently missionaries get to go out with pastors or get to go out with designated church hosts, but we, we like to do it this way. We like everybody to go out with the missionaries. And now, I don't think they'll be overwhelmed. We'll let them chew. We'll let them eat. But uh, between chewing and eating, you can fellowship with them. You need to talk to Tyler and say, hey, we'd like to go along. Tyler will get you the information, and then by that day we'll have a final count on where we're going. That's on the 19th. Now, the afternoon of the 19th, we're going to start at 5.30 preparing for our Resurrection Musicale. Our choir will be meeting, and we want to invite you to join, come be part of that. Uh, 5.30 on the 19th and then on the 26th, and then on April the 2nd. Those will be the three rehearsals for the, uh, the singing. Congregation will have some sing-along with that. Familiar songs, it'll be good. There'll be some narration, some scripture. Maybe we can twist Gabe's arm and get him to read the scripture again in that inimitable fashion of his. And uh, we're just going to have a wonderful time as we review the events surrounding the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's coming up. So we'll be practicing for that, those dates. Uh, also on the 25th, which uh, actually the 24th, 24th is it? Or the 25th? 25th. The 25th is a Saturday, and we start Fill America, Fill Virginia campaign. We're going to win that campaign for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're going to set a new record of, of putting literature on doors and handing out tracts, and you can be part of that. So let our people, let, uh, let Tyler and let uh, Daquan know that you're going to be a part of that effort. Let's get everybody signed up, and uh, let's get the gospel out to as many people as we can. On April the 2nd, we will have Palm Sunday right here. Don't miss it. It's always very, very wonderful time together. You get your own palm leaves, and uh, we, we talk about when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and what that means to us. And then on uh, the 9th, of course, is 
Resurrection Sunday, but on Tuesday night, the 4th of April, we are at 7.30 going to meet and we're going to observe the Passover Lord's Supper observance. And we'll do it as, as an extended church family. I want you to come and be part of that. Uh, we have these charts we're going to make available. We'll talk more about that uh, maybe a couple weeks out. If you haven't got one, I'll be glad to give you one. And it shows that Jesus died on a Wednesday, was three days, three nights in the grave, rose from the, the grave according to the Scriptures. Praise the Lord. And we celebrate that as Jesus did on what we would call Tuesday night. It had already started to be Wednesday because sundown starts their day. So it was already Wednesday. He was tried during the night, kangaroo court trial, false witnesses. He went out willfully and deliberately and laid down his life. Think about that. King of kings, Lord of lords, died for you and me, was buried, rose from the dead. Aren't you glad he's alive forevermore? So we got those, there's some neat things going on, on through the spring. Uh, be, be aware of what's going on. The, uh, the, the last effort we had as far as the church, nine weeks of offerings resulted in a record offering for Bibles to go to the third world Christians. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. You broke the record. Praise God. We'll break it again sometime in the future. But now the offering, you got the little offering envelopes uh, on the back of the pew in front of you with the green writing. It says, Nehemiah. That's an Old Testament character. Rise and build. We're going to, we're going to, when the weather gets up to it, we're going to power wash the exterior of the building and patch up uh, one section at a time the portions that need to be fixed so that it doesn't look shabby. It looks good. Amen. And then other exterior and interior things. We're going to do some spring house cleaning and we want to do some spiritual spring house cleaning too. Amen. So let's, uh, let's get it done. Amen. Now, this Saturday is uh, 1706 in our Bible Institute study. Three o'clock, you can, you can tune in on YouTube and take the class. And then you can catch up between then and graduation on the 25th of June. Also, you can enroll in our undergraduate, our four-year program, our bachelor's program, or our graduate program, postgraduate, and... Um, we have any, any one of the certificate programs up through 1700. Next year will be 1800, and it will be Exodus. And you're going to be learning all kinds of things you never knew before. Praise God. But um, let's get back to the Word of God, and let's look into what the, the Bible has to say about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as, as the Scripture relays uh, to us there in Philippians. Philippians, Galatians. Colossians, okay, Philippians, Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul was saying there's something beyond salvation and that's the Christian growth process. That's the yielding to God that enables us to become more like Jesus. As the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives out through your life and mine, we begin to display those characteristics. Amen. And everybody here ought to have that as the goal of their life. We have on our, on our uh, Beast Feast inspired Sunday cover, 
the goal. You've got some wild game there. You've got grandpa and grandson, and you've got the faithful dog. I don't know if that's sport or pooch or whoever that is. But anyway, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's Philippians 1.21. Recently, I quoted that kind of extemporaneously as we had an opportunity to share some reflections at the memorial service of Katie Lane, who uh, was in our Bible study at Fellowship House for a number of years, passed on. And we talked about what she gained. For to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. Uh, she, she gained a, a perfect uh, environment, no pain, no difficulty, no more bills to pay, no more taxes, no more irritations. Amen. The presence of the Lord. Won't it be wonderful there? <laughs> Won't it be wonderful on the other side? Heaven is certainly better than this. I'll talk about that some more tonight. But the first part of this, for to me to live is Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean that we try very, very hard to be like Jesus? We, we sing a chorus, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask to be like Him. You know, it's not by rote. It's not by imitation that we achieve that. It's by surrender. It's by giving up, giving in, allowing Him to have his way. If you haven't done that yet, if you're still struggling with this thing, your struggle is, is in vain. Your struggle will not accomplish anything. Our goal should be to let go and let God have his way and let him do through us uh, all that he wishes to do that we might become all that he wants us to be. For to me, to live is Christ. We sing a chorus, Christ is all I need, all I need, all I need. Christ is all I need. He was crucified for me. He died on Calvary. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ has accomplished in our behalf everything that needs to be done. For that reason, it's not my taking charge and my doing, but rather it's a simple resolve on our part. It's letting go and letting Him have His way. I want you to think, don't raise your hand or speak out loud. Can you remember a time and place when you received Jesus Christ into your heart as your own personal Savior? Now, think about this. Can you remember a time that was so real to you when you realized that it was a struggle for you, you needed to let go and let the Lord have His way? And really, even though He always has been, always will be King of kings and Lord of lords, that's when you acknowledged Him. As such, Can you remember that? Can you remember that time? If you haven't got that time, let today be that time. Let today be the time when you say, I'm going to stop struggling. Because when we're trying to do it ourselves, as I was teaching in Sunday school today uh, about Ruth and about Naomi, a lot of times we try to make it happen. Worst phrase that a Christian can use is, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. If by that you mean you're going to buy your willpower, you're going to get this thing done, you're going to, one way or another, you're going to just, you know, make it happen, you're going to ruin your health, probably die trying and not succeeding. But what I need to do and what you need to do is just say, I can't do it. I'm incapable on my own of being and doing what you want me to be and do. So, Lord, I surrender all. I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When we do that, when we begin to do that, you'll be amazed at what God can do. 
I stood in the back of a large, a mammoth, uh, kind of a cavernous auditorium. It was the PICC, which was there in Manila, Metro Manila, the Philippines. I don't know how many of you have ever been there, but uh, it was built by the wife of the former president of the Philippines, uh, Ferdinand Marcos's wife, uh, Amelda Marcos, actually had that built as, as a uh, venue for, for great gatherings. And it was used uh, during the time that Ferdinand was the president, the leader of the Philippines. And then, as you know, they were deposed. And I had the opportunity of going to the Philippines as the American director of the International Fundamental uh, Bible Baptist Fellowship. And it was, it was a wonderful opportunity. I got to speak along with many other wonderful speakers from around the world, from around the Pacific Rim. Uh, Dr. Kim came from uh, Korea and spoke, a uh, great leader among Baptists there, and uh, many others as well. But I stood in the back of that huge auditorium as the people were filing in. And between four and 5,000 came in and sat down. And I looked up and I stepped behind one of the dividers. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. I would have an opportunity a few days later to preach in an even larger venue to many more thousands than that in the Bible Baptist Church of Cebu City. Just huge, huge, huge place. And I sensed my own inability. And I don't really remember the exact words that I spoke that day. It was not me. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. As I surrendered completely to Him and I said, Lord, you're going to have to do this. And He did. Now, it wasn't that I hadn't studied. I spent years of study, preparation, education, experience. But that doesn't cut it. When it comes to fulfilling what God would have us to be and what God would have us to do. All of those things have their place. But the one thing that's missing so often is, I surrender all. Jesus, be Lord of all. Jesus, take charge of my life. Lord, I want you to think in my mind. I want you to speak through my mouth. I want you to see through my eyes. I want you to walk in my shoes, I want you to feel through my heart. I want you to, to, to make my body your home. I want to be the vessel. I want to be the one in whom you're working out of, that others may see you in me. If you've not experienced that, you have missed perhaps what is the highlight of your life. I've met a lot of people. I've been a lot of places. I've walked in some buildings where the carpet was so thick my shoes disappeared. I'm, I'm telling you, I've met some world leaders and I've been honored. It's not because of me, it's in spite of me. But the highest and holiest honor is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. To represent Him. To know Him in a way after you've been saved that every aspect of your life is yielded to Him. So not even that bad attitude that we occasionally display can creep in. 
We need to give it all up. Let go and let God have control. Say, oh, preacher, I want that. I want to experience that. What I'm talking about is a very simple and basic daily discipline. I die daily. There it is. So, for to me to live as Christ means I die. For Christ to live, I've got to die. My self-willed way of living has got to go on the back burner. Forget about that. Jesus has to be Lord of life if He is going to be seen out of mine. When we teach, when we have taught, and in turn others have learned the Word of God, there are certain basic principles, certain basic principles upon which the Scriptures rest. Perhaps one of the greatest principles is called this. Write it down. The Christocentric principle. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-centric. C-E-N-T-R-I-C principle. That means Christ at the center. Christ at the center. When we read the book of Colossians, we read that Jesus Christ is preeminent. I think sometimes people read that wrong. And they think, well, yes, he's prominent. He's so prominent in my life. He's so important. He's important as far as the world is concerned. How many, how many millions of people claim to have some connection to Christ? But when the Bible says that he is preeminent, that's not just prominent. Preeminent means he's in the center. Like the sun is the center of our solar system. And the planets revolve around our rotation, our revolution should be around Jesus Christ. He should be in the center. How many times in the Bible do we read about the Lord being in the midst? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered there in my name, I am in the midst. He, he didn't mean that he was just part of the crowd. Now, Jesus Christ is wonderful and he fits in and all of that. But if Jesus Christ is truly in the midst, we're not feeling the presence of everybody else. We're feeling one thing. And what we're feeling, what we're sensing, is the presence of the Son of God in a body. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son. That's the difference. I'm not talking about outward appearance. I'm talking about the spiritual impact. When Jesus is in the midst of your home, there is a difference. When Jesus is in the midst of your business, your finances, there is a difference. When Jesus is in the midst of your personal witness or your ministry for Jesus Christ, there is a difference. And we need to say, I'm taking my hands off. Lord Jesus, you're in charge. Jesus is not my co-pilot, as some bumper stickers declare. Jesus is the pilot. And if I get to ride along, I'm blessed. Maybe I'm the co-pilot, but Jesus is the pilot. Praise the Lord. Jesus is in charge. He's the one we ought to be focusing on. He's Christocentric, and everything that we are and everything that we stand for should be Christo 
centric. Jesus Christ ought to be the first one we think about every day. The last one we think about every night. Jesus Christ should be the one that we consider when it comes to making any choices or decisions or establishing any relationships or entering into any arrangements or business or doing anything. Jesus Christ should be the first one we think about. But is He? Jesus Christ should be at the center of everything about us. We should have Him in our mind and in our heart and in our life and in our choices and in our relationship. And He should be the center. He was at one time the center of society. He is not anymore. What you have now, what you have now in society is such an emphasis upon everybody doing his or her own thing and then elevating that, no matter how great or how stupid it is, to the, to the point of deity. Oh, it's just amazing. What do they do? And they describe it and you say, what's this? It is the elevation of humanity to the position of divinity. That's wrong. It's the other way. Divinity came down. Jesus came down was born of a virgin in a humble surrounding. He lived a sinless life, but it was a difficult life. As, as uh, growing up in the carpenter's shop and, and living that life, and then for three and a half years having no place to lay his head, as the Scripture said. He, he was very, very basic in his living because he had but one goal. His one goal was to seek and to save the lost. Everything about Jesus Christ was sacrificial. Everything was for us. And so now that we have been saved, it is not about Him elevating us, but it's about us lifting Him up. It's about Jesus Christ being seen as we allow Him to have His way in us. I can't think of a better way to defeat the world, the flesh, and the devil than to let Jesus Christ step in to the... the the skin of, of this man and walk in these shoes and speak through this mouth and think through this mind and see through these eyes and touch and influence the lives of other people. I can't think of any better way to, to put the devil where he belongs and send him where he's going. I can't think of anything better, but I can't think of anything more hopeless than if I go out in the witness and the energy of my own flesh my own abilities, no matter what they are, my own education, my own experience, and I try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the world, the flesh, and the devil. That is helpless and hopeless. You will not, I will not succeed. We have to let go and let God. The mind of God in Christ being expressed and applied in and through our life will confound the world. Just as Jesus, as a 12-year-old, confounded the religious doctors of his day when he was left behind on that trip to Jerusalem. I want to think about not how good it feels to put people in their place, but how wonderful it is to establish Jesus Christ in the place of respect and honor that he deserves. I want to lift him up. I want people to hear about Jesus. I want to talk about him I want to talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Think about everything He did that was recorded in the Gospels and make application and think about how that does work in your daily life. Think about everything that Jesus taught 
in the Gospels, all those truths. And think about how that applies to your life and your choices and your decisions and the things that you say. Instead of coming up with things and thinking of things, let Jesus speak through you. Let Jesus be represented in your life. Satanic hatred and subtlety are all focused against our experiencing this. The human obstacles that are so, so foreboding are the obstacles that we ourselves set so that Jesus Christ is not seen. I just want to do my thing. I just want to express myself. I just want to, instead of that, Lord, what would you have me to be? Where would you have me to go? What would you have me to say? Lord, how would you like me to represent you today? The mind of God Almighty is understood in the mind of Jesus Christ. And we have the mind of Jesus Christ when we have gotten into the Word until the Word has gotten into us so much so that that's where we go when choices, decisions, and responses are required. God was never seen except in Old Testament appearances before Jesus came on the scene. When He came, we have God robed in flesh. And in the days of His flesh, as the writer of Hebrews refers to Him, Jesus Christ walked where we walk, and He talked with those with whom we'll speak. And He did as we will do. He had those activities that are everyday activities. Jesus Christ was engaged in those and so in that we see and we understand how He wants to live through us. He wants everyone to be touched in such a way by His living through us that they'll never be the same again. Our goal is to, to, to so live for Jesus Christ, to so live as He would have us live, that there is no question that people have been in the presence of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He wants to work out His perfect plan for you and for me. He wants to work it out as we allow Him to have His way. This will not always be easy. Back in chapter number 1 and verse number 21, 29, excuse me, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him but also to suffer for His sake. So there we are, Jesus Christ living out through us. We're speaking the very mind of Christ and living out the life of Christ before others as we yield. And they're hating Him first and so they're hating us. And as a result, guess what? It's given to us to suffer in His behalf, not only to believe on Him, not only to allow Him to have His way, but to be willing to take that suffering. And He has provided His grace. His grace is sufficient for whatever may come our way. The church at Philippi was a suffering church. As such, we have several references in the book of Philippians to joy and rejoicing. It says in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There it is. 
Rejoice in the Lord. Why should we rejoice? We should rejoice as Jesus said, because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because you get to represent the Lord and even suffering for Christ, uh, able to be Jesus Christ uh, living out that life before others that desperately need Him. I don't know what you've gone through this week, but He does. I don't know what you're going to face next week, but He knows. I'm just the one who stands up here and reminds you of that fact. I hope when you start to feel like you're all alone and there's nowhere to turn and you just don't know what to decide or how to live, there is one who is not only with you, but He is inside you. If you've been saved, He's promised to be with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see Him in every book of the Bible. In Genesis, He's the creator and seed of the woman. In Exodus, He's the Lamb of God for sinners slain. In Leviticus, He's our great high priest. In Numbers, He's the star out of Jacob. In Deuteronomy, He's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, He's the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, He's the messenger of Jehovah. In Ruth, He is our kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, He is the despised and rejected king. In Kings and Chronicles, He is the Lord of heaven and of earth. In Esther, He is our Mordecai. In Job, He is our risen and returning redeemer. In the Psalms, He's the blessed man, the son of God, the son of man, the crucified one, the risen one, the coming one, the reigning one, the leader of our praise. And on and on throughout the Old Testament and the New, we see that He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the Son of God. He is God the Son. He's the one who has ascended to the right hand of the Father where He is ever interceding for you and for me. He is our righteousness. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is the one who knew no sin and yet He was made the sin offering for you and for me. He is the end of the law. He is the one who brings us to God. He is uh, our armor. He's the supplier of our every need. He's the one who watches over us and takes care of us and never lets us down. He'll never abandon us. He will never leave you alone. So this week, whatever has happened, and next week, whatever is going to happen, you and I are not alone. Jesus Christ is real. If you received Him as Savior, you're on your way to heaven. But wouldn't it be great to rejoice all the way? even through the suffering, even through the trials, even through the difficulties. Preacher, you just don't know. This machine broke down on me. This thing went south on me. This thing didn't happen the way I wanted to. Opportunities for Jesus Christ to be seen in you and me. Oh, I went through this kind of persecution or that kind of criticism. Somebody just critiqued me up and down and analyzed me in such a way I just hated every second of it. No, they did it to Jesus Christ before they did it to you and to me. We get to represent Him and He gives us grace to get through it. When we come to the end of that week, we say, praise God, another, another chapter closed, another chapter about to begin. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day I love Him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me. He's the one I'm waiting for, longing for, looking for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. One of these days... There's going to be a break in the clouds, and He's coming for His own. He's going to take us home to be with Him, and then 
One day we're going to rule and reign with him a thousand years and then we're going to be with him forever. You talk about, it's what John Rice used to write the song about, forever with the bridegroom, it's just like being on a honeymoon forever. That's what it's going to be like, being with Jesus. Amen. Down here we've got our troubles and trials, but I like the song that says, we'll soon be done with troubles and trials. Amen. One of these days we're going to be over on the other side. I can't wait. Now that's tonight's message. Heaven is better than this. But in the meantime, I tell you what, I'm getting ready. I'm getting all ready. We knew a guy in California. He used to jump up and down and said, I'm, I'm doing rapture practice. Some people just can't wait. Amen. You're going to hear a trumpet sound. I was speaking to a man yesterday who's been through many trials and difficulties physically. He's going through one again. He said, Preacher, and he got teared up. And he's not the kind of guy who in a public venue does that. But I was able to put my arm around him and pray for him and pray for God to heal him, to touch him. This week, this week we've had people who lost loved ones. Bonnie's uh, brother, Clay, went home and, uh, and I know she's missing him. Many of you have had loved ones that have passed away. Vafumba's older brother uh, recently, a month ago or so, passed on. And we, we're missing those folks. But there's somebody who understands better what we're going through than we understand ourselves. There's somebody who knows better than we could ever know about our own business. There's somebody who's looking after us and he is eminently equipped. I'm talking about King of Kings, Lord of Lords, King Jesus, who's coming back for you. He's coming back for me. He's, he's made a way for us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. We're coming to God because of Him. We're able to come into His presence. Praise the Lord for that. And I thank God that He is our absolutely, I mean, 24-carat guaranteed lock security. He's got us covered. He's got us taken care of. Amen. No, no matter what we go through, He's got us. We're in the hollow of His hand and no man can pluck us out of God's hand. Praise God for that. He's got you covered. He's watching you. He's watching me. He's loving you right now. You say, I, I, I'm starting to sense that. Now, I'm not trying to make everybody ecstatic here. But I want you to know that if you are close to the Lord, you sense in your spirit the closeness, the nearness of the Lord. He's inside of you. He wants to work out of your life, out of my life, to touch the lives of others, to make a difference. You and I may do some great thing in the eyes of mankind. They may even name a building or a monument after you. But over the, the course of time, that monument or that building will crumble to dust. And the only thing that's going to make a difference in the lives of people is if Jesus Christ can be seen in you. So His name and His change is on the lives of the people that we're able to influence, the people whose lives we're able to touch because of Jesus Christ, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. Praise the Lord Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today would say, I understand now, preacher, understand what the goal is. The goal is is to know Him and to know Him better and to allow Him to live through us. Put your hand up high if you understand that now. That's the goal. That's it right there. To know Him and to know Him better and for Him to live through us. How many of you right now, you can think back to a time when you received Christ as your Savior. You know that you know that you know that you've been born again. Jesus Christ is living in your heart. He's your Savior. He's already settled that business about heaven. That's wonderful, but some of you don't know that. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Here's what you pray. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Show.